Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant looking chipper and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. There's Jerry over there. She's dressed like Snow White. Some birds flying around the place. Wow. It's like uh, all the stuff you should know. It's like Disney all up in here. I know. Which, by the way, we learned. <laughs> the hard way. Um, well, I'm going to go over it because I'll mess it up again. That's good. So, Chuck. Yeah. Have you ever been inside an underground mine? No. Do sir. you do you remember our episode where we talked about what happens to abandoned mines? Yeah. Boy, did we do a show on that? Old timey. Crazy old. It was a good one, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we've also done one on mountaintop removal mining with Ben Soli. Yeah. That was a good one, too. Yep. This one's totally different. Because we, we did fracking, too. Oh, yeah, we did do fracking. What the frick is fracking, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Wasn't that what it was called? Something one like of that. our better titles. <laughs> um, but this one's totally different. This is underground mining. Yes. This is what people normally think of with mining, rather than stripping the top off of a mountain or um, fracking. This is This is mining. Yeah, and you usually um, don't think about mining much as a regular person walking I, around on I a do. day-to-day basis unless there's some sort of accident. And oh, that yeah. will usually cause regular folk to say, oh, yeah, right. People still go underground and mine, and it can be very dangerous. They're like, how terrible. Now back to life. Uh, <laughs> like in 2010 in Chile, remember that? I, no, that one was huge. Oh, yeah, well, they got those dudes. They did. And there's, I think, a movie coming out, or already out, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Antonio Banderas. Oh, yeah? I think so. Too sexy. Yeah. That's a one sexy minor. Do you remember that on no. Saturday Night Live? Oh, you don't remember the Antonio, the Antonio Banderas, how do you say? Oh. Ah, yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I remember that now. Did someone played him, though, right? Or was he Yeah, I'm it? sure he guessed it at least once. But yeah, I think it was Chris Kattan. I think you're, I think you're exactly right. The least sexy guy of all time. <laughs> Actually. We're sorry, Mr. Kattan, but it's true. I think he would admit that. No, I think he likes himself. What he was, doesn't care what we say. What was that crazy character he used to do? The like monkey Mango? Boy? Yeah. That was very funny. Oh, no. Mango was different than the monkey boy. Mango was like this super sexy, um, like flamenco dancer down in Miami or something that, like, every people would like, like give up their lives for just really? to be around. Mango wasn't the one who ate fruit. All no, crazy. No. All right. I don't remember. God rest his soul. Who? Chris Kattan? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Well, you can still. Does that have to mean you're dead, or can God just rest your soul? <laughs> I guess. Like he needs a break. I think there's a sense of finality <laughs> to that. When God rests your soul, I think your soul has been R.I.P. You right. can still rest in peace by taking a nice nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, in Chile, uh, it was a disaster in 2010 that uh, turned out with a great ending uh, because, like I said, they're all rescued, and um, but they spent 68 days underground. Yeah. In a little room. Crazy, man. Which probably smelled a lot like pee when they were finally taken yeah. out of there. Yeah, it's a long time. I mean, and I it's believe, remarkable. I believe the room was designed as an escape room or something, so it, it worked like it, it was supposed to. Right. But they had to dig like an escape hatch. They had to dig down to these miners, hundreds of feet under the ground. Yeah, um, which in and of itself 
put their life in danger, I'm sure. Right. You know? And that happened in 2010, and uh, Julia Layton, who wrote this article, points out that that was a, a, as far as mining goes, that was a bad year. Yeah. So there were those guys, like 33 were, were rescued, but a bunch of their um, compatriots were killed in that same disaster, I believe. Well, yeah, and um, I think she also makes a great point that, it, you know, the disaster gets all the headlines, but people die all the time, individually or in, you know, several dudes at once, you know, that doesn't hit the headlines. Right. Like a couple of di- guys die in, uh, on the job in yeah. a day. Right. And regionally you might hear about it on the news, but it's not going to sweep the nation. Right. Like th- a big disaster. And apparently also um, things like black lung are still around even though they shouldn't be. Yeah. And I, I was reading, you know, that they, these deaths, although they're preventable, they are, they are the deaths of people who live in rural communities outside of the spotlight of the media. Yeah. And so it, it still happens. So, yeah, the point is mining, underground mining in particular, is extremely dangerous. I have a question for you, though. I was looking at pictures of modern mining operations and... Guys are down there, you know, without even, like, a dust mask on. I noticed that, too. And I'm just thinking, that seems to be the most preventable mm-hmm. thing you can do is wear the, like, why aren't they wearing the things the firefighters wear? I don't know. With the tank and the full mask, face mask. The closest thing I can come to for an answer is that Expense. the mine, no, the mine yeah. owners are supposed to have that place so ventilated that you wouldn't even need that. Eh. Supposed to. I don't know about that. That's that, but I mean, like in 1969, Congress said there should not be black lung anymore. We want it eradicated from the right. mining industry. Since then, 76,000 miners have died from black lung. Right. Um, but it's apparently it's totally preventable. It's just mine owners being cheap and or lazy. Right. And I guess, I mean, when was this done? When did they? Uh... 1969. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could have stats of people that. Theoretically, started their career after right. that. And I'm sure they should they, not have black lung. Sure, but they—they're definitely people who weren't even born then that died of black lung. Right, you know, since then. Man. Um, all right. Well, we're talking about underground mining, though, because you pointed out to Jerry when she said mining, and you went underground mining. Big difference. Does <laughs> <laughs> it sound like that? I've yeah. got a lot of self-reflection to do. Um, but surface mining is different, and that is. Uh, a very uh, viable way to get ore if you only want to go down, and that's a top-down op. That's like mountaintop removal. Yeah, if you want to go down a couple hundred feet, it's a it's a good way to get some ore. Below that, it, the efficiencies, um, it becomes inefficient. So right. they say, well, why don't we get down there? Yeah, go to the source. Working our way up. Right. That's what they do. Or at least, you know, maybe just go get that big chunk of ore that's. A thousand feet down. And did you did you see this thing about kind of the early history of mining? Yeah. So should we should we do that? Yeah, man. The the when you talk about going like a thousand feet down, or how do, how far does the uranium mine go down to? Sixty five hundred feet. That's mind bogglingly deep. That's more than a mile, right? Isn't a mile something like in the neighborhood of five thousand feet? I have no idea. I think it is. <laughs> it's something like that, right? Yeah. So that's a very deep amount. Sure. But that's using, like, machines and mechanization, which we'll talk about. Yeah. So if you go around the world and find some of these ancient mines, like Roman mines or Egyptian mines, they were the first ones to really get into mining, Um, although they're prehistoric mines that date back to the Neolithic age. Them going down, like, 100 feet or so, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. 
And they're working and it's like uh, something like three or four meters a month of an advance rate. Yeah, because they're using pickaxes. They were using pickaxes. And slave labor and prisoners. Right. And prisoners of war. Right. Uh, criminals, basically. So the conditions, as you would imagine, were terrible because they didn't care. No, they were like, died. go ahead and die. We'll just go conquer another land and yeah. make them mine. Exactly. But as that uh, um, source of employees dried up <laughs> and they had fewer and fewer prisoners of war because uh-huh. they'd conquered everyone, they said, well, maybe this is a real job and we should make it safer. Yeah. Like pay some probably still like unskilled like yokels, <laughs> but at least they- <laughs> Egyptian they, yokels? Yeah, but they weren't prisoners of war. And slaves, so they wanted to pay him a little, mo- a little money. Yeah, not much, and uh, make it a little bit safer. No, and as a result, the occupation of mining became more respected and respectable. Yeah, uh, because it's a pretty hardcore occupation, um, and one that should be admired and respected, it, it, especially if you're talking about back in the day when they're using pickaxes and stuff. Yeah, your article that you sent was pre 1600. And um, for hundreds and hundreds of years, it it kind of stayed the same. And the Egyptians kind of set the standard and everyone followed suit. And, you know, they would dig down with pickaxes and shovels made of, you know, depends, everything from bone to when they finally got metal from mining, they would use metal. Right. It kind of was like a cycle. They also very cleverly, and apparently this is a really old technique, they would use, um, I think it was called fire quenching. Yeah, that's says fire setting or fire quenching. Let's just say they would heat up rock right. with fire and yeah. then throw water on it. Yeah, and if you've ever done that, you can see a rock will crack pretty quickly Yeah, because of that change in temperature, that really rapid change in temperature. Not safe. No, no, it's not because that rock can go flying. Yeah, especially and in 5th century Rome. These, you know? Yeah, and they were also using it not just to like hurry along. It was basically their their version of drilling and blasting before there was drills or blast equipment. Yeah. Um, and they would also use it not just to, to drill or blast or break up ore. They were doing it so they could free their axes or their picks that would get stuck in the rock. Right. So, yeah, that thing could come flying out and hit you. But, again, you were most likely a prisoner of war, a slave, or a convicted criminal who was – not only using a a very cheap pick to break up rock all day, there's a guy behind you lashing you with a whip to egg you on and yeah. keep you standing upright. Yeah, and it, it is weird. I just thought about the cycle. Like they they kind of, I mean, they use metal for other things, but they were kind of mining to just improve their own equipment for more mining. Yeah, right. And the discovery of more metals. Yeah. Like initially they wanted, I think, flint for tools and weapons. Mm-hmm. But they were using bone, and then eventually they were like, "Oh well, we found copper, right? So we'll use copper to dig." And like, "Oh well, now we found bronze, right?" And, and then so all we'll the use way bronze. up to uh, like, "Wait, we found some iron, right? Now let's use iron." Yeah, pretty neat. Yeah, and each time it was like a snake eating its own tail. They just <laughs> go do some more mining with the new stuff. That's right. Um, and so yeah, like you said, that that was pretty much the early history of mining, and it stayed. Virtually the same until the age of mechanization, the in, that well, the industrial age. Right. But even after the industrial age, people were still using like ancient mining techniques. Yeah, TNT. Yeah. Well, oh, it's that not that ancient. ancient. <laughs> but blasting and right. I think what they say in this article, like 5% of 
of mining today is this the blast yeah, technique. It's mostly mechanized, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh let's, you want to take a break? Yeah, man. Okay, and we'll come back and talk about mechanized mining techniques right after this. All right, so no two minds are the same. Well, that's probably not true. I bet you there's two minds that are the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> but there are different kinds of minds, and um, but most of them have a few common characteristics. Uh, you got to have your ventilation right. shafts. You got to have uh, your access shafts for the employees. You got to have exit shafts for the ore. Um, a lot, there's a lot of shafts. So many shafts, man. <laughs> so many shafts. There's, uh, did you say vent shafts yeah. to vent away the, the stuff? Yeah, that's number one. Uh, recovery shafts that the ore goes up out of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Comm systems. Break There's room. A, yeah, break room. Escape rooms. Yeah, escape rooms. That kind of stuff. Totally. And, um, the, but I think the point of Layton here is that the, the ore deposit itself is going to tell you what kind of, underground mining technique you want to use right yeah like the what the ore actually is what it's shaped like yeah uh is it like a big flat slab is it a big huge blob uh <laughs> right? what kind of rock is around it are, are you mining petroleum jelly <laughs> uh well you raise a question chuck i could not find this to save my life so there's two types of underground mines right Okay. There's hard rock mines and soft rock mines. Yeah, so there's Soundgarden and Steely Dan. I had uh, Dokken and Bread. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, is Dokken metal? Yeah, ish. But see, that's the thing: hard rock or metal. That's a fine line sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. But Soundgarden. Bre- Bre- I think Bread. How about Soundgarden and Bread? Okay. Look at us. Soundgarden and Bread working together. Um. So. <laughs> I couldn't figure out if that is meant to describe the ore, the type of thing that's being mined, or the rock surrounding the ore. I saw both. If you now what now? Uh, <laughs> oh, sure. oh, for the hard or soft? Right. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I never. Really, I, I think I assumed it was uh, the ore, but you may be right. Maybe it's so. Layton the- says, for example, coal. Coal deposits live in relatively soft sedimentary rock. Right. Which would make you think that she's she's saying that it's the rock that's around the ore. That's soft. Yeah. Yeah. And that that would be a soft rock mine. That is not dependent on the, the type of ore you're getting out. I saw elsewhere, I saw that, what she was saying, being supported right. in other places. But I also saw, no, it has to do with, it, it describes the ore that's being removed. So if there's any miners out there that can tell us oh, the yeah. difference definitively, we want to know. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a wonderful follow-up email. But the point is, depending on whether you've determined it's a hard rock mine or a soft rock mine, um, that's going to also inform not just the 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 where the ore is yeah. and the size of the and shape of the ore deposit, but um, whether it's hard rock or soft rock is going to determine what type of mining technique you want to use. Yeah, it seems like there's more hard rock mines than soft. They list gold, diamonds, copper, silver, uh, zinc, and nickel as yeah. hard rock. And the only mention of soft is coal. Yeah. But there's a lot of coal mining going on, so maybe, you know. Tons. Literally tons. 
so let's talk a little bit about hard rock mining. Um, it really helps, I found, to look at either cross sections. Like if you look up um, room and pillar mining, there's always a great cross section diagram. Yeah, I love those. That kind of brings it home. You know, looking at this stuff, uh-huh. and I saw you watching a video that I saw too. Yeah. It like brings out the little boy who loved Tonka trucks <laughs> yeah. in me again. Like this stuff is really neat. Yeah, you're, well, we'll get there. The continuous miner. Yeah, that's amazing. definitely part of it. But also like trucks driving underground yeah. and like going beep, beep, yeah, yeah. beep. Fill me up, Lou. Yeah. Just awesome. All right. So room and pillar is um, for a flat ore deposit that doesn't, let's say like, oh, it starts at 200 feet and goes down a thousand more feet. Right. It's uh, more horizontal and flat. And this is where basically you use this machine called a continuous miner. Uh, and they say it drills, but. Maybe that's the terminology, but when I think of drill, I think of um, something long drilling a hole into something. Mm-hmm. This looks like a boxy tank with a uh, huge metal dustpan at the bottom and a huge rolling pin with teeth on it at the top. And a big appetite for coal. Yeah. <laughs> and and when I say rolling pin, it's like kind of like a bulldozer. You can raise and lower it. Mm-hmm. And you just drive that thing through earth. Right, in your coal uh, deposit. But you leave these pillars. So you basically clear out a huge room with these big pillars left yeah. to keep you from dying. I th- I find the terms room and pillar, they're kind of misleading because it makes you think that the room is going to be vast and then there's these little kind of supports that are left behind. And that's not the case at all. The pillars are huge. They're enormous. They're uh, From what I saw, they're frequently bigger than the room itself. And they're left oh, behind really? to keep the rock above from crumbling in, right? Yeah, that's still got to be scary. So, oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know? Like, this is extremely dangerous work, you yeah. know? So, I mean, you're hollowing out inside a mountain. That's super dangerous. Well, I mean, when I did my one caving experience uh, a few years ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I was in, uh, there was this one, I think they called it a pancake crawl or something, uh-huh. where for 20 feet you have to shimmy on your back with with the world's largest stone slab right. five inches above your face. And I just kept thinking, like, what if the earth moved a little and oh, yeah. this thing just smashed me yep. flat? You'd be a pancake yourself. And that's one of the dangers is trimmers and things. Sure. Uh, underground trimmers. Have you been to Rock City? Yeah, when I was a kid. So it's been a while. You you know there's like that enormous rock that's being held up very precariously yeah. by a small boulder. Uh-huh. You're walking under that same same thing. I don't need to go caving. I can just go to Rock <laughs> City and, and tempt fate. Yeah, and then you can go to Stucky's and buy a pecan log afterwards. Love those. Yes. Oh, For those who don't know, Rock City is a... Tennessee, right? Yeah, Chattanooga. Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's yeah. um very beautiful yeah. area. It's it's our version of Carlsbad Caverns. You've got Rock City. Well, it's super kitschy. There's like 1930s oh, yeah. glow in the dark gnomes everywhere. Yeah, it's really interesting. Cool. Um, and then you got Ruby Falls. Yeah. Where you walk underground, and underground you come falls. into a cavern, and there's psh, the water coming down. Very pretty. Uh, and then there's also like Lookout Mountain. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, and definitely worth going to. Not too far from your beloved Dollywood. Yeah, it's not far. <laughs> so the the point is with the room and pillar, right? You're basically your Pac-Man or your Dig Dug. You dig Dug, yeah. Going through a coal seam. Mm-hmm. And then that space you just carved out is called a room. When you come back through, 
you leave a big space in between of coal. Yeah. And then come back through again. And that's another room. So what's in between those two rooms now is the pillar. It's just the strip of coal that you left intact. Yeah, and um, that the, they will come in at the very end and even take care of those pillars uh, one by one, allowing everything to collapse as it leaves. Yeah. Which sounds probably like the most dangerous phase <laughs> is knocking the pillars down. They're like, make Todd do it. <laughs> uh, he's in the break room having a nap. <laughs> Go wake <laughs> him up. That's why they he always sleeps on the job. Did you see that picture of Richard Branson? Like squatting next to one of like no. a Virgin Airlines employee like sleeping on a couch in the break room. He's really? like squatting next to him giving the thumbs up. What what was his whole thing? Because he's like the what boss of all bosses of this guy. And he's, he's like sleeping on the okay. job. No, he's saying like I busted you sleeping on the Oh. Job. Gotcha. It sounded staged. It was a real thing. Supposedly yeah. Did he stick his hands in hot water and make <laughs> him pee pee himself? He's <laughs> like true <laughs> Genitalia on the guy's face right. was sharp. <laughs> he put toothpaste on his hand and tickled his nose. He's a fun-loving boss. Uh, all right, so that's room and pillar. There's also the cut and fill method, which I don't fully understand. It is for narrow deposits, and you basically drill a ramp uh, adjacent to the deposit from the surface of the earth down to the bottom of it. Right. And then you start... At the bottom. At the bottom and just start drilling sideways. Yeah. So, so imagine like the, the, the ore deposit is just like a big, tall, um, like rectangle. Okay. Okay. In the earth going upwards. It's yeah. a vertical ore deposit. Yeah. You just go down to the bottom and you make a cut across mm-hmm. where you're digging out the coal. From one side to all the way to the other, right? All the way to the other, right? Yeah. And then you backfill that with, um, rock, rubble mm-hmm. that say you, you gathered when you made the initial shaft down right. to the bottom. And then you drive on that backfill to do the next thing. So you fill oh. the entire room you just did with rubble. And then when you cut above that, uh-huh. you're using that rubble to drive on. And so then you, you do the same way up, thing basically. again. Yep. Just gotcha. up and up and up. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. It's pretty. Pretty good one. And if you imagine a big yellow truck doing it, it can just send you barreling right back to age four or five. Uh, I didn't play a ton with Tonka trucks. A yeah, little I had, bit. I had a few. There I was a lot of model like, cars. Richard Scarry was really good at drawing stuff like yeah. that. Oh, really yeah. sucking you into I that universe. I had those books. Universe. Those books stuff. were great. Yeah. But I was big on, I had that uh, Evil Knievel stunt cycle. Oh, yeah. That was just amazing. Yeah. Like, that was my toy of choice for like probably three or four years. I can imagine. Yeah. I used to, <laughs> we, my brother and I made, don't try this at home, kids. This is the seventies. We were much more dangerous. We would make uh, hoops out of coat hangers and dip them in gasoline. No, I was really, really hoping fire. that you were going to say a ring of fire. Yeah. <laughs> we would jump the evil Knievel through it. <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah. Man, I really missed out on having a Scott of my own. Yeah. It's good to have a Scott around. Yeah. Uh, He's going to be at our New York shows, by the way. Oh, great. Just randomly going to be in New York. Same he's exact time. coming to both of them? Actually, I don't know if he's going to come to the show. He was going to, but then I said, it's the same topic you've already seen. Oh. So he said, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to um, cut and fill. Uh, you can use it for wider deposits as well. You just have to have two adjacent ramps. I guess you have one on each side. Yeah. I didn't really get that aside from maybe it's, it's, uh, they're just, Crisscrossing each I think other, that's what they're doing. one above the other. That seems really dangerous. Yeah, well, it's all dangerous. All right, let's talk more about Scott. 
Uh, what about block caving? This one is, um, you don't see it a lot now. Uh, it's for hard rock, uh, excavations. And basically, it's not for like precious metal or anything. It's for low grade junk. So, I saw that here, but then I also saw like videos of, um, a, that, that sounded a, a lot like this. That seemed a lot like this too. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know if it's just for junk or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's basically where you cut through and then you let the roof collapse behind you. Yeah, you dig out a room and then blast it and let it just fall in on itself. And then you haul that stuff out. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't care about the, the stuff you're recovering like that much. Obviously, it's worth going into the earth and retrieving it. Yeah. But I guess it's not high grade, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. So... um Coal, like we said, is softer, and that is usually room and pillar style. Uh, but now there's a thing called long wall mining. It is all the rage in the break room yep. uh, of the minings. Uh, so it's really efficient. They get out uh, 90% of available ore uh, with this method, where room and pillar is only about 50%, which is a huge diff. Right. So we said that we were talking about hard rock mining, right, with the room and pillar. Yeah. Works for hard rock mining and soft rock. Yeah, it crosses over. But then the uh, cut and fill, that's just for hard rock, right? Correct. Okay. And then long wall, that's just for soft rock, basically? Uh, I think so, yes. So long wall, yeah, that's the one where I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. Yeah, the the machine. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. How much do those machines cost? Boy, I don't know. A lot. Like four or five hundred bucks, easy. Easy, at least. <laughs> Uh, it's really neat. Um, you're not drilling into a single deposit, uh, through the deposit. Right. You basically have a machine that just kind of, sort of a cross cut and just shaves it off mm-hmm. as you go. And right. onto a, a conveyor belt, just constantly moving the stuff out. Right. Rather than drilling through going forward or backward, you're, you're going left to right. Yeah. So what you would do is you drill a shaft down to the ore deposit. Yeah. And then you drill a shaft that's parallel to the face of it, right? That goes from left to right. Mm-hmm. And then you go down and you bring in your long wall machine, which is a, apparently up to 800 feet long. Yeah. Wide. It costs $500. <laughs> right. And each each part of this machine, which sounds like it's modular, like you can make it shorter or longer or whatever. Yeah. And they just hook up to one another. It's like it's like a, a hydraulic jack yeah. that holds the roof of the mountain up above it. Yes. And then on it the provides front, its own support. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the front of it is where the, the coal eater is, the soul eater. Amazing. This thing in action is really cool looking. Yeah, it really is because when you're watching videos of it, um, you, it looks, you just see it from the side and it looks like, oh, okay, it's going to go straight. And then all of a sudden the coal eater shoots off out of sight. Yeah. Further back into the ore deposit. And as it does that, it drops that coal down to a, a conveyor belt in the front of the thing. And it shoots the coal off to the um, shaft that raises it up. Amazing. It is very amazing. Uh, and there's another method called short wall, and it's the same thing. It's just for shorter cuts when it's a narrow deposit. Right. And then after the cut is made, the thing advances a little further, and the uh, the roof behind it caves in. Amazing. I- I'm a big long wall fan. What about you? Mm, I like the room and pillar. Really? Mm-hmm. Because it's cause the machine. Oh, okay. The continuous miner. Well, that, I think that's why I like the long wall is because of the the mining machine. They should have named the continuous miner the John Henry. 
Yeah. Just, you know, out he, of respect, like he, a throwback. But he was a railroad guy. Who was the guy who had the... Casey at the bat. <laughs> no, wasn't it John Henry who had the contest against the... The steam machine. But I think they were... I know what you're talking about. I thought it was was a steel driving man. Oh, right. He was driving spikes. Yeah. What was the one that was digging into a rock? I know what you're talking about, though. And I feel like they were, they were trying to build a train tunnel, too. I'm going to look this up during the break. Okay. And we'll come back with the answer. Ooh, how about that? Let's do it. It's called a cliffhanger. All right, it is John Henry. Wow, he did it all. He did it all. He was uh he was the steel driving man like he said, but here was the deal. He hammered the steel drill into rock uh to make the railroad tunnel. So uh, okay. it was railroading and mining. Gotcha. Or not mining. But... It was the best of both worlds. Well, do you call that mining mining or sure. just tunneling? It's Ooh, tunneling. Man, that's a good question. No, I don't think it's mining. Mining is specifically getting ore. Right. Tunneling is just Blasting a hole through something. Okay, tunneling. That was another good episode we did, tunnels. Did we do that one too? Yeah. Jeez. Man. I'm starting to lose it. Yeah, I like our civil engineering episodes too. Is that a, a tranche we have? Sure, we've done bridges, mm-hmm. tunnels, mining a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, some other stuff. Yeah. I guess landfills would probably qualify. Yeah. I could sure. probably come up with more, but we should... Move on. <laughs> you want to talk about the dangers of mining, Chuck? Yeah, well, they're rampant. They're well. First of all, it's it's can be very uh, can be bad for Mother Earth. Yeah, just a tad, just a little bit. Uh, we're talking. I mean, you're changing the physical makeup of the Earth, right? Beneath our feet. So there's got to be ramifications. Um, air pollution, of course, is one. Uh, how water flows, uh, and you know the water table underneath the Earth. Where that goes, right. that's bound to change things. Um, well, and also, a lot of times, they are releasing other things in the earth yeah. that shouldn't really be in our drinking water, and that that stuff does get into drinking water. The soil pollutes the heck out of it. Sometimes there's a fire, underground fires that you can't even get to to put out. Like uh, in Centralia, Pennsylvania. Isn't that crazy? A fire fire burning deep within the earth. Yeah. That that just sounds dangerous. Yeah, well, if if a coal seam catches, you're in big trouble. Yeah, because that's that is not getting put out anytime soon. Maybe 150 years, it'll burn itself out. Who knows? Really? Yeah, that's what Centralia's got going on. A uh, still? Yeah. Wow. Still on fire. Like it will probably be on fire for a century. Man, I need to look into that. I haven't heard of that. Oh, it's neat. Really? Yeah, they abandoned the town. They had to. Crazy. Yeah, there was a kid in like the 80s after the fire had caught. It was a landfill or a tire fire, something mm-hmm. stupid, and it caught it, it caught a coal seam on fire, an underground coal seam, and um, like they knew it was burning, but they didn't uh, evacuate the town until a kid in like 1982 was just playing in the street, and the street opened up and almost swallowed him into a pit wow. of fire. And they were like, "We need to get out of here." Holy cow! Yeah. So that area is just like a. a- I mean, is it fenced up and it's a, yeah. death, a death zone? Yes. But apparently there's still a couple of people that live there. They're like, I'm not moving. Really? Mm-hmm. Man. 
Never heard of that. There's also, have you heard of wildcat mining? I don't think so. It's basically. Why don't I know anything about mining? <laughs> it's basically, I, I asked that same question. Why do you know everything about mining? I, that's a good question too. Um, wildcat mining I know about because I, and I couldn't find the name of the article, but there was a great article I think I read in Harper's a year or two back. Mm-hmm. And it was about wildcat mining in, um, Guyana. And basically it's just illegal mining, but they are the most polluting, um, mining operations you can imagine. Really? Like they use mercury, quicksilver to bind to gold and they're handling the quicksilver. It's getting everywhere. They're leaving it behind. It's going in the soil. It's yeah. going in the water. Um, and that's just like one problem with it. They, they do nothing to remediate like their, the diesel exhaust or anything like that. It's just a really big problem. What country is this? Guyana. So is South it just America? completely unregulated or, yeah. or is it like a rogue operation? Well, by definition, it's, it's a rogue operation. Right. Wildcat. It's just an unlicensed mining operation. Man. And it's not just Guyana that has that problem. It's around the world. There's wildcat oh, mining, sure. but they, they have a particularly bad problem with it. Man. Yeah. And I bet they make a dollar a day. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Very sad. Um, well, we might as well talk about the human toll since that's where we are. Uh, like I said before, um, major accidents are the one you're going to hear about. But as example, uh, in 2010, um, about 2,500 Chinese miners died, but none of them were big, big accidents. Right. So you didn't really hear about a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you didn't hear about it in China. I know. I, I didn't hear about it. But no. yeah, in China, they were like... That's a big death toll, though. Miners' family received windfall. They right. didn't say why. <laughs> they got paid out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you talked about, uh, was it in 2010 yeah. with the Chilean and West Virginia that same year? There was yeah. 29 people killed. 29 to 31 people at the Upper Big Branch Mine in West Virginia, Massey Energy's mine. New Zealand, another 29 people died that same year. Yeah, 29 to 31 again of the people present. 29 of the 31 died at Pike River Mine. Uh, things are getting better, though. Like a lot of these accidents... Um, well, like you said, sometimes it's uh, tremors, like we said earlier. Yeah. Sometimes there are explosions. Um, you know, these gases can ignite. Uh, there's underground gases. It's just, it's really just volatile down there. And in, in developed countries, though, there's not supposed to be explosions. Right. Like the mining operations are supposed to be sophisticated enough these days that yeah. there should not be explosions. I remember Massey Energy got in big trouble because they just were totally lax really? about safety precautions, that kind of stuff. And some miners blew up because of it. Man. Uh, and then, of course, the health risks that are long term. We mentioned black lung, but, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be just black lung. Uh, there are all sorts of things you can breathe in. Welding fumes, uh, radon, mercury, all kinds of respiratory disease that can arise mm-hmm. from being down there without even like a hanky over your mouth in some of these photos. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I would wear at least a dust mask. You wouldn't be down there anyway. I could mine. <laughs> I'd be like Derek Zoolander's family. He'd be break room Josh. <laughs> Go wake up Josh. <laughs> Make him do it. Uh, but you did mention remediation a second ago, and um, it, it you know it's all gotten better, safer, and more uh, strict uh, environmentally speaking. But there are different, depending on where you are, there are different uh, remediation laws and rules. Yeah. From take care of it right now like you were never there, which, let's be honest, that's got to be impossible, right? Yeah. Um, to 
you know, come back every year and check on it. If you want. <laughs> I remember in the Abandoned Mines episode, it's like there's a lot of really dangerous spots, especially out west. Yeah. That are just abandoned mines that people just walked away from. And if a company liquidates and you don't really know who the owners were, then there's not a lot you can do. True. Uh, should we talk about the canary? I think we should, man. You've heard the phrase canary in a coal mine, um, which I never really understood. Not where it came from, but I didn't even know what they were, what people meant by that until more recently. It's like the, you know, the indicator that things are yeah. about to go south. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah. But I would just hear it and go like, oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's actual like legitimacy to it, right? Yeah. There was a guy named John Haldane who was, Quite the self-experimenter. He would, he would try and kill himself. Or, or, well, that's not true. He would try and bring himself near death. Yeah. By sitting in rooms full of gases, so he could record results. Right. Amazing. I, yeah, my hat is always off to scientists who guinea yeah. pig themselves. Yeah, I mean, love I- those guys. <laughs> no, really. He was also very sharp, right? From his studies, he he found out that carbon monoxide poisoning stained tissues red with hemoglobin, right? Yes. And so uh, it, he's working in the 1890s here. He noticed that miners um, would come up with, you know, bright, flushed faces, mm-hmm. mysteriously dead. Right. And he figured out probably carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. So he said, you know what you guys should do? You should start carrying canaries down there with you. Yeah. Think of... Something really mean you could do to an animal. Right. And carry it down there in a cage, and if the canary dies, then that means you, you should, have troubles. You should turn and run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because apparently birds, uh, the way they breathe, they're, they're, they're getting twice as much oxygen or just intake as a human? Uh, both. Okay. I guess. That they're breathing in twice as much because yeah. of the way they're uh, little... For, uh, feathery little system works. Yeah, which is pretty. I didn't know this. This is from a, uh, I think, Gizmodo article, maybe from Esther Inglis Arkell. Yeah. Um, and she points out that a bird's respiratory system, when they suck in air, some of it goes to basically like their lungs and perfuses their blood with oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it also goes to these secondary sacs that just kind of hold it there. Yeah. And then when the bird exhales, that that air that never went to the lungs goes through the lungs. Mm-hmm. So they're getting oxygen on the way in and the way out. Yeah. But that also means that whatever they're sucking in when they take in that breath, right. they also get on the way in and the way out. Right. Which makes them very susceptible to dying from poisoned air. Yeah, but great if they're not in a mine and they want to fly around. Sure. Because they're super oxygenated. Right. But yeah. if you can get your hands on them and shove them in a cave and take them down to a mine with you, mm-hmm. you can use them as an indicator. Yeah, and the, and she pointed out, even if they didn't breathe this way, just the fact that they're birds, theoretically, you could probably take any animal, small animal down there. Oh, yeah. And if it died before a human, then that's probably bad. But birds were small, right. you could put them in a cage easy, and then they had the whole uh, double doubling down on breathing. Yeah. <laughs> What was that? Wasn't that a KFC sandwich, the double down? <laughs> it's probably. I think it was. You got anything else? Nope. Well, if you want to know more about underground mining, you can type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this, um, I think this girl's trying to sue us. Oh, good. It's actually not true. 
Uh, hey guys, um, I'm new to the podcast thing, but discovered yours, and it is awesome. All caps. Uh, I was born and raised in Seattle in uh, an intentional community, not religious or culty, just lots of hippies. Um, in the late 1990s, my housemates and I set out to free the Seattle airwaves via pirate radio. Uh, long story short, we got up and running, uh, running with a show called Ape Shall Not Kill Ape. Great title. Yeah. Um, it was a mix of music, life, commentary, and how stuff works. I actually read from one of the coolest books I had, which was How Stuff Works. Remember, we had those books years ago. Yeah. By Marshall Brain. Yeah, and she would read these things. Like, she kind of had the first version of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, even though you guys have an amazingly sweet and popular podcast, uh, and I had a pirate radio show just reaching Capitol Hill in Seattle <laughs> in the late 90s, I feel akin to you guys, fortunately for me. Uh, unfortunately, after a few months, two guys wearing suits knocked on the door uh, they thought was our studio. We had a secret door and ladder and club knocks. Oh, I guess like, like- yeah, secret knocks. <laughs> And obviously, we had been found out, which is crazy because we barely had a mile radius of coverage. But the government is a government, and we weren't paying them, so they got upset. They actually sent two dudes after her. I'm not Isn't surprised. That crazy? That's uh, we, just terrible. We ended up getting shut down, and though I am very thankful for podcasts, I still feel like uh, the people should own their airwaves. And I encourage everyone to start a pirate radio station of their own. Uh, thanks for everything. Can't wait to hear about uh, the feet washing ashore. In my state, oh, yeah, great show. The Mysterious Feet. Yeah, I love that one. British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will write you again. So that is from Aaron. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Power to the people. Yeah. I, I thought for a minute when I was reading that, she was going to say, um, this is my idea. Yeah. So get the checkbook out. Yeah. Uh, if you want to sue us, please don't. Instead, you can just get in touch with us. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can hang out with us on Instagram at SYSK Podcast as well. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 